0: You're listening to the Her Leadership Coach podcast for the quietly determined career woman who's looking to step up into her first or next level leadership role. If you're looking to make a bigger, more positive difference in your organization, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, welcome in. It's Rochelle. I am thrilled to have you join me today. We're on Her Leadership Coach. We're diving into a topic that is universally relevant, yet I find really discussed openly, and that is office politics. Now, if you're anything like me, that phrase might just send a shiver down your spine or make you roll your eyes into the back of your head. But stick with me because we're going to approach this in a way that can be authentic, strategic, and hopefully a little bit of fun. Alright, if you're still with me, let's start with some clarity. When we say office politics, what do we really mean? Well, it refers to the like the dynamics at play, the power structures, the relationships that influence decision making, how people work together and create change within an organization. It's about who has influence. Then it's about who makes decisions, which is not always the same person. And it's about who is getting heard. And also, yes, who gets those really good assignments or promotions. Now it's important to remember that office politics isn't inherently bad because it is a natural part of human interaction, but how we navigate it can make all the difference here. Now, I find in the world of office politics, there's a fine balance between collaboration and competition, right? You're, if you're like me, at least, you're working with others towards shared company goals, but there's also a need to assert your individual contributions and interests often. So how can you influence effectively in this setting, particularly when egos and differing priorities come into play, which they do a lot in our large organizations. So let's touch on a few strategies that I've personally used and a few others I've seen others use. Now, the first step is you have to understand the landscape, right? You have to look at these dynamics, the influences, etc. So let's just say you've just joined a new team or you've never done this before in your team. Um, But let's say you've just joined a new team and instead of immediately stepping in and pushing your ideas and goals, which I have seen people do, step back, take time to learn about your new colleagues, take time to learn about the wider audience, Uh, take time to learn about the organizational culture, understand your team's work styles, their motivations, observe how they interact with each other. For example, you might notice that your manager prefers detailed data-driven proposals while you have a colleague that appreciates a more big picture visionary approach. And when you've got that kind of knowledge, you can tailor your communication to each individual, which helps you gain their support and more effectively influence the team. All right. The next one is empathy, which is key. in in office environments, full stop, right? But people respond better to those who understand them. So suppose you've got a colleague that seems quite resistant to your new project proposal. Rather than dismissing their concerns or assuming they have bad intent or assuming they just don't like you and that's why they're resistant, and I've seen all of that in play, try to first step back and understand their perspective. Maybe they are worried about the additional workload or the potential disruption to established workflows. Maybe they are seeing something that you're not. If you can empathize with their concerns and then address them directly, you'll be more likely to win their support and you may even find that your project proposal is better for it. Uh, Okay, effective communication and we've touched on this in understanding the landscape, but it isn't just about speaking clearly and providing clarity. It is about listening, understanding, and then responding. So imagine you're presenting an idea in a team meeting and instead of just listing the benefits of your idea, consider the interests and priorities of your audience. So let's say your team is one that's primarily focused on cost efficiency, then highlight how your idea can save money. Let's say you're presenting to another team and they're more interested in innovation, then you want to emphasize how your idea brings something new and exciting to the table. So you need to again, have empathy first, understand the landscape around you first, and then tailor your communication. Uh, to each of your audiences Uh, and then we have credibility and trust which if you're practicing those first three things is going to lead to that inevitably I believe so people are more likely to be influenced by someone they trust and respect and building that credibility involves Demonstrating competence, so they need to know that you're good at what you're doing, that you understand what you're doing, and then delivering on your commitments and acting with integrity. So that's going to build your credibility and your trust is going to be built through empathy, through effective communication, uh, and also, you know, acting with integrity. Next one is to collaborate and build alliances across the organization, uh, particularly with key people, uh, when you understand the landscape, right? So let's say there's a project that overlaps with the work of another team or department, and this often happens in our organization. And what I see sometimes is this competition strike up, right? Uh, we're going to beat you to the punchline, or ours is going to be better than yours. And what I'd love for us to do. Is instead of trying to compete with the other team or uh, unit or organization even, or sometimes undermine their efforts entirely, propose a collaboration, approach them and talk about working together towards this common goal. And that's going to help not only build a positive relationship, uh, but again, have a better outcome and those people are more likely to support your initiatives in the future. I honestly get so much joy from this approach, from working with others, uh, from sharing our work far and wide. So if I hear of someone that's working on something we've already delivered, I'll give it to them. I'll give them any help they need in that space. And I find it always comes back to me in one way or another, right? Uh, Whether that's through the pure joy of helping someone out or whether that's getting them on side and they end up helping me out on something in the future. One of the things you want to do is leverage your unique strengths. So think about what unique skills and talents do you bring to the table? And this, of course, is a great powerful question. If you've got the Her Leadership Way manifesto, uh, it's a powerful question to ask yourself. Understanding and leveraging these skills and talents can grow your influence across the organization and help you stand out. So for example, if you've got a deep knowledge and understanding of your company's products or services, that's something that some of your colleagues may not have, right? And this expertise is a unique strength that can be leveraged in office politics. Uh, You could take the initiative with this to share your knowledge, maybe by putting your hand up to conduct some internal training sessions or workshops. This is great for bringing in new skills as well. So if you have a particular strength or interest in an area that's new and emerging, so for example, for me, that was ChatGPT, I was like getting my head across that far earlier than other people in the organization, and I raised my hand and offered to run a workshop on it. So not only have I helped others in the organization to learn and grow through that, but it also positions me as an authority and go-to person for that particular area. Uh, And in doing so, I've not only increased my visibility and credibility within the organization, but I'm also helping to create this culture of learning and collaboration, which for me is high up in my values and is super important for our organizations moving ahead, right? So all of those results From looking at my unique skills, my talents, my passions, looking at what I can bring to the table, and it can significantly enhance my ability to influence decisions around ChatGPT or shape outcomes within the team about what we might work on next that involves, you know, artificial intelligence in some way, or even the broader organization. So Uh, We've looked at understanding the landscape. We've looked at empathy, effective communication, building credibility and trust, collaborating and building alliances and leveraging your unique strengths. That's a whole lot of strategies. So I just want to be clear that these are not about manipulating others, but about building relationships based on understanding, respect, uh, mutual benefit, right? And so... We need to remember navigating office politics effectively can open doors to opportunities and seriously pave the way to leadership roles. So one of the things I wanted to touch on in this space is change, because change in organizations often shifts the dynamics of office politics and quite suddenly sometimes, right? It could be due to a change in leadership. So you're used to the way a particular leader operates and know their, um, you know, understand their strengths, have built empathy for them. Um, It could be company strategy changes, a complete turnaround from where you've been heading. It could be your team structure or even office location. Uh, one of the changes we've got coming up sounds like an entirely new team being integrated into our team or our team being integrated into their team. And that's going to be a change in many different areas of our work. Um, So often a number of these changes can happen at the same time. These shifts can impact hugely existing power structures and alliances. And that can create opportunities for you if you're looking out for them, if you skillfully navigate that, um, you know, the the areas that we've already talked about and look for the changes in the political landscape. So you want to keep yourself informed of any changes that are coming and what's happening within them, because change often leads to uncertainty. And in the absence of reliable information, Rumors can fill the gaps and influence perceptions. And I again, I'm seeing that in action right now. So you want to be aware of the the truth of the changes and the rumors of the changes. Uh, And then you want to look for potential political implications that might give you a strategic advantage in this landscape. Now, it helps... uh, to regularly communicate with your superiors, your colleagues, your team. Uh, You want to attend any meetings that are going on about the change and just stay updated with internal communications that are going on. If there aren't any internal communications, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. The second thing you want to do is stay flexible, right? You want to stay... uh, Ready for change, ready to adapt, um, ready to understand and embrace new circumstances where you can, because that demonstrates your resilience and positivity to others in the office. And it shows you're not only capable of handling change, but also willing to support others through it. And that really does build your reputation as a team player, which improves your political standing. It improves how others see you uh, and how others, you know, will start to trust you in those situations. Um, And then effective communication is even more crucial during these transitional periods. So this is what I touched on earlier. Involves not only expressing your own views and understanding about the change, but also empathizing with others who may be struggling, right? Change is... Far harder on some than others. And so you want to be there to empathize with them and then lead them into a positive reframe of the situation. So demonstrating empathy can strengthen your relationships, build alliances and position you as a really supportive colleague and leader, because that's what a leader does. Uh, Lastly, change can shake up the status quo and it provides openings for advancement or even influence that wasn't there previously. So take advantage of that. Seize those opportunities. And it might require stepping out of your comfort zone. But again, that's what a leader does. So uh, doing that can significantly enhance your standing in that office politics arena. Uh, now, if you don't, if you, there is no communication coming your way, and you are—it's difficult to keep yourself informed. Fill the gaps as much as you can with what with what is true, and leave out the rumors. Focus on what you can control, what you do know for certain, uh, and leave aside what you can't control and what you don't know for certain. All right. One other thing I'm wanting to address here is the hybrid workspace that we find ourselves in. So moving from this physical office space where office politics are quite uh, often in your face and easily recognizable, with remote work becoming more pre- prevalent, the dynamics of office politics have also shifted. I don't know if you found that, but I have definitely found that. However the core principles of understanding, communicating and building relationships really do remain vital in this space as well. So it does present both challenges and opportunities when it comes to office politics. But one of the challenges, I guess, is that communication is now predominantly digital uh, when you're working from home, which can lead to misunderstandings. Uh, and make building relationships more challenging. And again, I've seen this in action. However, it also provides new avenues for demonstrating competence, for demonstrating your leadership, and for building alliances. So you want to make sure that even though there is a significant amount of communication that is now nonverbal and often asynchronous, so not, you know, not immediate, not done at the same time, There are important cues that can be missed in written communications. So you want to be sure you are being extra clear that you're being concise and particularly courteous in your emails, right? Uh, If that means adding an emoji in or an emoticon and that works in your culture, then I am all for that. Um, Messages, video calls. Uh, like instant messages, video calls can help reduce those misunderstandings and maintain the strong relationships. And please, whenever it is possible, have a verbal conversation first and follow up with an email if it is necessary, especially if the topic is difficult or delicate. Do not send an email only Addressing some performance issue or uh, letting them know some bad news, right? Talk to them first. I know sometimes that can feel uncomfortable for us, particularly if we're inhibited or introverted or we don't like confrontation. But I assure you that the confrontation following an email that is misunderstood or that is addressing poor performance without a conversation is going to be far worse, And remember, using the Her Leadership Way manifesto principle of we ask powerful questions in this space. So going into these conversations with curiosity uh, will make the confrontation far less. All right. Secondly, you still need to demonstrate visibility and accountability, In a remote environment or a hybrid environment. So make sure you're regularly updating your team and your manager or your superiors on uh, your achievements, any challenges that you're having and let them know where you're progressing and doing well. We hold a fortnightly meeting where everyone contributes to share these kind of things. And that's actually for us become an asynchronous meeting because we don't all work on the same day at the same time. You can also volunteer to lead meetings or projects to increase your visibility within the team and organization, especially if there's a chance that leading those meetings or projects are going to get you in front of those that you're seeking to influence. Thirdly, building relationships can be more challenging when working remotely, but it's certainly not impossible. And if you're intentional about it, it can actually build stronger relationships intermixed with uh, face-to-face or even sometimes you know face-to-face is not necessary for building a strong relationship some of my team I have never met in person and we have a fantastic working relationship and personal relationship Uh, so shout out to my team now so organize virtual coffee breaks right we do that as a team but also do that one-on-one with people Engage in team building activities using tools such as um, Miro or Mural, you know, or Microsoft Teams electronic whiteboards. And take the time to show genuine interest in your colleagues' lives outside of work. Uh, Whether that's, you know, your team, your colleagues, your leadership, all of them show some genuine interest in their lives. If you strengthen these relationships, it can be immensely helpful when you need to collaborate on projects, when you're looking for support uh, for an idea or a project, or when you're navigating any potential conflicts. Here again, using a manifesto principle, and this time it's give grace to yourself and others, really applies in building these relationships in a virtual world. Uh, And finally, the boundaries between work and personal life can become blurred when working remotely. You've probably felt this for yourself. So I invite you to respect those boundaries, put in place structures and systems to help you respect your boundaries, not only for yourself, but for your colleagues as well. Right. And this means respecting them for yourself. So your colleagues will also respect them for themselves. Uh, Be a role model in this space. If you respect personal time, if you promote work-life balance, that really goes a long way in building respect and goodwill, which are essential elements of positive office politics. So yes, the environment has changed, but the strategies we've been discussing still apply. They just need to be adapted to fit the new remote work landscape. Finally, just to touch on the importance of resilience here, office politics can seriously be tough and it is inevitable that we are going to face setbacks and pushback in the office. But I just want you to remember it is not about winning every battle. It is about staying true to who we are and then learning from each experience as we go forward. The most resilient leaders I know see politics as a bit of a game and they know that you're going to win some and lose some, so they don't take it personally. So I invite you to do the same and bounce back stronger at the end. Thanks for joining me this week. If you want to continue the conversation about office politics or being a leader from the inside out, why not join us in the Women in Leadership Facebook group? I also want to let you know that some of this podcast was created with the assistance of Artificial Intelligence. The ideas, examples, the language all still mine, however I occasionally get help with editing the audio, writing my show notes and the occasional save from writer's book. It saves me so much time which is of course invaluable for me as a busy entrepreneur and career woman and as a leader. This is an area you should also be experimenting with, as this is going to revolutionize the way we work. If you got value out of this episode, I would love it if you could share it with others. And of course, if you've been listening to podcasts for any amount of time, you'll know that rating the show and leaving a review helps others to find the show. And I would really appreciate that. Until next week, continue to lead the way her way.